Almost all aircraft problems can trace itself back to the aircraft's electronics. Despite what you may think, the technology that keeps the plane's magic going is older than it seems. These fixes are also harder than they seem and involve such adventures as untangling years worth of neglected wires. This is Angry Oodles of Noodles. Our guest today is a former marine helicopter mechanic turned avionics technician. She's currently working as a general aviation tech. Please welcome La Coyote. Hey, <laughs> hello, hello. Welcome. Hi, guys. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Hey, thanks for coming on. Honestly, we haven't had an avion an actual certified avionics tech for a, a minute now. I mean, I don't know what certified means, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's like, uh, certified, cough, cough. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to repair station. <laughs> it's okay. Sorry. So it works. It works. Yeah, yeah. Certified. Absolutely. Roll it, boss. <laughs> All right. Um, so, oh my gosh. Uh, avionics. I Like the intro says, I can, I can attest that 99% of all aircraft-related problems boil down to avionics. Would, would you say that's a fair assessment, everybody? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would say it's probably at least 95% of it. And the worst part about it all is it's never an easy fix. It's always like some kind of uh, like side quest shit that de derails you from the main story. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so, uh, so La Coyote, <laughs> tell us a little bit about you real fast. Like, where are you from? Where are you hail from? Um, I'm originally from Carson City, Nevada. Um but I spent, you know, some of my life in Washington State, grew up, joined the Marine Corps, was stationed in California and Hawaii, um, traveled all over the place as comes with military service and uh, lived in South Carolina for a while. And now I hail from the Great South. I'm not going to specify where, but rhymes yeah. with rhymes with rhymes with Las Vegas. <laughs> no, I'm just I'm being stupid. Lorenzo <laughs> <laughs> Las Vegas. <laughs> when you, well, here's here's see, I'm from the other end of the country. So when you said the Great South, I was thinking the Southeast. Oh, I do live in the Southeast. I'm just being a smartass. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, I was like, well, I'm, I guess it is South technically, but I'm thinking of the I'm thinking of the other, you know, the other end of the country. That's funny. Sorry, sorry. No, no, that's no, cool. It's cool. Like when you when you hear stuff like Nevada, Arizona, you think more of the West than South anything. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I, I actually do live in the deep South, and it's uh, growing up, you know, in the desert and with desert people who get plenty of vitamin D. It's kind of a strange thing living in the South and interacting with Southern people. I'm surprised I don't have heart disease yet because uh, the food <laughs> is so good down here. <laughs> so. Oh yeah, the 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 obesity rates uh, through the roof, but it's uh, for good reason. <laughs> oh yeah, man. I'm I'm talking like they make creamed corn with with lard and and all kinds of good oh, yeah. stuff. I mean, yeah. Yeah, you'll it's die at fifty, but you'll die with a smile on your face. You know what but I mean? I will die. I'm gonna die happy and with bacon. So yeah. <laughs> so be being from the West and having traveled all over, what um, what what uh, planted you in the South, the dirty South? Uh, the dirty South. Um, my best friend lives down here, and. Uh, I was, I was married to a Marine and that didn't work out. So I was like, well, where do I go now? And I just ended up here and kind of walked right into general aviation the next day. So. Oh, nice. So you working on uh, like smaller Cessnas and things like that? Are you working the corporate jets or? Uh, a little bit of both. I work on pretty much anything Textron, um, you know, whether it be citations or, mm -hmm. you know, CJs. King Airs, um, Hawkers, you name it. Oh, yeah. Worked on. worked on all those as well. Uh, out, out of those uh, that you've worked, would you say that Hawkers are probably the most uh, most nightmarish to work on? Um, just because of the limited amount of lightning holes on them and, you know, where you can and can't route wires to. Yeah, no, that's probably I, – I recently did a Wi-Fi install on a Hawker, and it was uh, it was a challenge, man. Just getting, you know, because, you know, the GoGo Wi-Fi system is. God, that's a crap system, isn't it? The GoGo system oh, is crap. It's so <laughs> terrible. And. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, 14 coaxes and you put in, you know, eight tiny little um, um, Wi-Fi antennas in the cabin of a Hawker. It seems a little bit overkill, but, you know, just just figuring out how to how to route those is 
is a nightmare. So you get to do the installs and the routing. I got to do the troubleshooting on the other end. So there's many a night at 3 a.m. sitting on a ramp and I'm on the phone with uh, support services or whatever, trying to figure out and get wiring diagrams and trying to figure out what's going on with the system. And I'm not going to lie to you, probably eight out of 10 times it ended up just being left on the MEL list. (laughs) Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. uh, You get, you get well-versed with tech support when you start doing installs because you know, you were the, were the guys that also do configuration for these systems and um, having, you know, having not had an avionics background. I mean, when I started in avionics in general aviation, I showed up and the guy that was training me was like, do you know how to strip a wire? And I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Strip wires. What? (laughs) Yeah. What? Give me a hammer and I'll, I'll show you what I know how to do with it. But uh, no, I I had no idea what was going on as far as as avionics. I couldn't even tell you what, you know, ADF or VOR or ILS or any of that stuff did. Um, So, you know, there's some companies that we do installs for that their tech reps hate me. Um, (laughs) But other companies, you know, you, you, you gain a rapport with them and, uh, you, you know, you learn a lot of knowledge from those guys if you, you know, build a good working relationship with them. So that's very interesting because I've had the similar experience with that as well, where um, you, you in the general aviation realm, you can make or break your, your career by how you work alone. Right. And you can you can call in and they know your voice and like, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll help you out real quick. Or if you're if you're not well liked, like they you, you get left on hold for a while. Oh, yeah. And there's you know, there's some guys. um in general aviation and avionics installs it just they have no no interpersonal skills because they're you know you're stuck in a cockpit five days a week you know 10 to 12 hours a day by yourself doing these installs so i think a a couple of the guys i've worked with are just abrasive because of it um but yeah once you you know building that good rapport with those tech reps really can help you save your career and, and boost you into into the scene yeah. So are you uh, working at like a service center? I'm, wor- I'm working under a repair station right now. Um, so I, I'm not, you know, I'm kind of a noob at this, but <laughs> um, yeah, I'm working under a repair station. We do all kinds of service work. You know, we do phases and um, on-call maintenance, you know, aircraft on ground installs is uh, my forte though nice if you if you get a chance and you feel like traveling just a little bit jump on that aog which is the uh, aircraft on ground maintenance cruise you it's long hours and a lot of work but it's uh it's a lot more fun and you get out to to see some different things and kind of working on the road a little bit yeah absolutely um you know i've had a little bit of aog work because we've done installs on planes where the owners just absolutely didn't want to wait for us to you know give our hundred percent, but it's still safe for flight considered. So they would go back to their home station and I'd have to drive all the way out to them um, and work on their plane more in an unfamiliar place like Alabama, for instance, um, have driven, driven down there multiple times. And um, I will tell you the only good thing that I've, I've experienced in Alabama is the barbecue. So if you can avoid that place, <laughs> do so. <laughs> there's one, there's one plus in all of that. <laughs> I, I feel like we kind of touched a little bit about our Lemon Law episode there, MVP, where like you fixed it just enough to leave your place and hopefully never come back again. <laughs> and, yeah, exactly. And, yeah. A lot, and a lot of that is avionics related or electric related, and it's just so mind boggling. And uh, for everyone else out there, if you, you, a plane may seem like this big magical creature that has like the latest and greatest tech, it really isn't. No, it's ancient it, technology for the most part. You you would be amazed, like especially some of the planes myself and the El Coyote over here uh, have worked on. Some of the the latest and greatest technology is like in like PlayStation One stuff, and not not even like the good PlayStation stuff. It's just it turns on, it has the cool little logo, and then and then it just blips. I'm like, well, there we go. <laughs> it was a it was a miracle when Skid Kids got the heads up display on the upgrades. We were pretty stoked. About that. <laughs> Oh my God. Heads up display. What does that mean? (laughs) We feel like this is magic. Well, so I was going to tie in with talking about ancient technology and this and that. And like, so, you know, Coyote working in the general aviation, you got to load maps every 30 days. And a lot of your citations or a lot of the operators, they still have the old floppy disk in them. (laughs) And it's like, it's like, it's like 10 to 15 grand depending on the jet to upgrade to the USB. 
adapter. So none of the operators want to spend that money to upgrade it to that. So you're still searching for floppy disks, trying to find the last remaining somewhere in the world, cutting those SOBs. And then you go and load the floppy disk and then you get all the way and there's like 10 disks, right? And you got to load those biatches in there and then you get all the way to 95% and it's like, oh, floppy disk error, file corrupted. No. And you have to yeah, like yeah. start over from scratch. You just want to blow your brains out in the middle of the ramp. <laughs> yeah, you're, and you're, no, you're, no, you're, no. you're screaming at your jet and all the mechanics are watching you like, oh, they're at it again. Those avionics guys. <laughs> There's like, they're like trying to load maps. Yeah, 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 we know. <laughs> talk about the ancient technology and the wiring. So have you had to do one of the upgrades for that swapping a floppy disk uh, reader to the USB? Is that pretty, pretty in-depth or is it? Um, most of what I do is I, um, my installations, well, when I first started, it was the ADSB in and out upgrade that the FAA mandated um, in that, you know, we were, we were pumping out planes left and right um, on citations, the most um the most extensive upgrades that I've done on that are GTN installations, Carmen GTN 750, 650. Um, so that's, you know, that's a major overhaul. And that that takes usually like a, a completely old school cockpit and turns it into a quasi glass cockpit. As far as, you know, floppy disk loading, I haven't encountered any systems where, you know, I've had to really do that Um in the citations, mostly I'm working, you know, with the Primus systems, so they're not that that out of date, particularly. But um, you know, in, in King Airs, we usually go from you know the old Avidyne systems or whatever <laughs> yeah. um, to the to the G1000, which is a completely glass cockpit. So yeah, those uh, those G1000s are pretty nice. Yeah, the major overhauls, and the the cool thing about um, what I do is I even fabricate the wiring harnesses, which is I my favorite part is to fabricate the harnesses because I'm particularly OCD about it, and I like to make it look pretty. Like I, you know, we pull it off the board in the shop, and it literally stands on it on its own because I'm on top of the, you know, the wiring board like a mad person, string tying as hard as I can on that thing. So. Yeah, doing those clove hitches, holding them all together, making sure the pins oh, yeah. are correct when you strip. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and so you have you have the so Garmin or whatever or whoever will send or let's say Citation, you'll get from Textron the wiring diagram and locations, and you'll have to measure out the harnesses yourself, and you 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 do all that. You build them from the from essentially taking it off the wire spool and to install. That's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. So you can actually make a really um, you could even do that as a side business. So a couple of friends of mine out here that I worked with his wife, she, she's really good. And she does the same thing like you're doing. And then she made such a name for herself that she started picking up contracts on the side. And it's gotten to the point now where she just does it in her garage. They send her the diagrams that all the, all the harnesses, all the pins, everything else, she'll build them in the garage and she puts them in a box and send them back to him. Yeah. I mean, we've done that. We've sent out a couple, you know, um, King or B 200 harnesses and stuff that we've sold to other companies. Um, and I've, you know, I've had guys ask me to build them harnesses in my garage, but I just, I don't have time. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the most rewarding part, I think, is, is actually making the harness yourself because you get to pick and choose how it looks and you know where everything's at and it just makes it easier as an install. Yeah. And you can say, instead of giving, I can give uh, six inches of slack, right? If you know, like, ah, and it's kind of tight behind the panel, so I can't leave myself eight inches of slack, but I can give myself six inches where if somebody else builds it, they might give you 12 Two. inches of slack or <laughs> one inch of slack. And you're either trying to stretch it all the way across, or you're trying to find a place to take the excess and bury it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, we, I've had multiple, um, citations seem to be the worst. And like I had a citation 501 and it was old. I mean, when I was taking apart this, this, um, instrument panel for D mod, I pulled the first panel off and I screamed um, <laughs> and, and I went and I told my engineer, I was like, please tell them to send this thing back. Like, tell them to tell them to send it back to where it came from. I don't want to work on it. It looked like you know uh, a spider and crack cocaine had basically spewed out <laughs> wires behind the wiring panel. But one of the components that I had pulled off this thing, the serial number was zero 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 one. I mean, that's how old this this plane was. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's it had been taken to so many different mom and pop shops that you know you get new guys there or just mechanics who have no business playing with wires. No offense to anybody out there that, you know, is a mechanic that thinks that they can do avionics. I used to be one of those. Um, 
I was going to say none taken on this end. (laughs) (laughs) No offense taken whatsoever. Yeah, but I've, you know, I've on that particular plane, there was um, a connector that was in the pilot's left-hand kick panel and it, you know, it, it was, it was maintenance looped all the way to the co-pilot side and and then back again, you know, and you run into that stuff all the time. And when you, you know, you finally do your final fitment of your harness, you have to make sure it doesn't hit controls or anything. And so that's always probably, I say final time. It is my least favorite favorite thing to do as far as avionics installation goes. Yeah, because you got to clean it up, make it look pretty, make sure there's snake skin wherever it needs to be. There's no chafing. There's no no nothing. No riding conditions, drip loops, and all that trash. Yeah. <laughs> now, the other good side about building your own harness is you get to continuity check it all yourself prior to install instead of getting it from somebody else. And yes. either maybe there being a break somewhere in the line or whatever. You know what I mean? You get to you get to verify it's good from the start. That's exactly right. And uh, I'm, I'm lucky. I'm, I'm fortunate to have had, you know, the mentors that I've had walking into avionics, not knowing anything because I, I am particularly OCD about that part specifically. I mean, I've had guys where I've watched them, you know, make windows on half of their harness for their, you know, their, their shield ground. And then on the other half, they didn't even bother making windows and just, it just madness. Um, so I would probably lose my mind if I had a harness coming in from another facility that I, I didn't personally touch assembling, you know? No, and why do you think that is? Why do you think they did that on one end of the cable, but not on the other? Is it just, they ran out of time. They got lazy with it. They got this particular guy and it was, we called him Dory, um, because he be, would, he was just a forgetful human being i mean you know let's keep swimming that's that was his personality um he was just kind of an airhead and uh you you know depending on where you work and in what industry you work you run into those guys you know the guys that are just they're they're just fucking not they're not completely there so Uh, i can i can at least attest from my experiences that a lot of the technicians their 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 work is timed you know so like you got to be able to pump out so much in a given amount of time. So when they say, okay, you're now three hours into a four hour job, what the fuck? And like, oh crap, 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 crap. Do you know, and just, just put it together just good enough. So like it can kind of at least meets the bare minimum, right. but by, but by bare minimum yeah. is like real, real bare. Like, and they try to hide it in such a way where like, it doesn't look like they fucked up. I'm like, oh, and yeah. then, and then if say they got uh, an inspector, that's kind of like their buddy or who's a really, really lax. I'm like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's there. It's fine. Or doesn't understand anything about wires, AKA myself. <laughs> yeah. It looks like it's all there. Psh, whatever, bro. It's, it's connected. It's made it. It doesn't look like it's going to short anything out or electrify anybody. We're good. <laughs> well, and that's what I was going to say from my end. My, mine would have been, you know, with that to add to that is the, you have six months to do this mod or, or complete this project or this install or whatever else and then two and a half months in they come out and give you the double finger guns and say hey just kidding it's got to be done in three months yeah and oh, you're like oh yeah. okay all right well i guess <laughs> you know what i mean and so that's when the corners start getting cut or things start getting missed because then you're 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 speeding through it faster than you should be right 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 and i you know what i would really say that is up to the tech doing the install because you know personally i i am of the idea that i always want my work to look good mm-hmm. um and i want it to be good because you know somebody else is going to come in behind me and touch this and they're going to be like what company installed this and i want them to be able to be like you know if it's my work i want them to be like oh man that you know these guys know their stuff um and yeah, that is, you know, the time limit is a big thing. It's, you know, the the push and pull between, you know, corporate or management and, and the techs on the floor trying to figure out the, you know, the best way to do this so that it's actually done correctly versus, you know, I'm going to go cut corners, which you, you just, you can't do in the avionics world. There's no cutting corners. No, you cut corners in AVI and, and you're going to have, you know, minor to catastrophic uh, failures come out of that. Yeah, absolutely. Just, just for, just from, just from not doing it um, to standard. That's why there are standards that exist, you know, to to prevent things like that from happening. But as we know, everybody's, everybody's different, just like every plane's different and they all have their little quirks and conundrums and some have higher standards than others. And, but it's interesting what you said about, you want your work to look good and be good. That way, when somebody else looks at it and you and I are cut from a similar cloth on that is that when, when somebody goes and they just look at the logbook and they see my name in there and the write-ups that I do, like I'm all the way down to even the paperwork's got to look good mm-hmm. beyond the work. Because right. somebody comes in and says, oh, you know, MVP did that? Yeah, it's good. 
Yeah. You know, like your name, that, like just that alone, they go, oh, that's cool. Or when they kick, they open up like the kick panel, right, to do some work after you at another station. And somebody goes, wow, look at this harness. That's beautiful. <laughs> like it's artwork. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. when things are routed properly, like, oh, my gosh. that's And then it makes just the next guy's troubleshooting so much easier because you're not like taking apart, like you said, uh, a methed out spider web. Um <laughs> And trying to figure it out. It's it's nice and, and streamlined. As streamlined as you can get it, obviously, you know, you're fighting through decades worth of wiring and pipes and panels and hardware and everything else. But yeah. Yeah. I can attest to that, especially. Um, I recall a bunch of times where we pull off said panels and it's either just this rat's nest of well, what the f- what the hell just happened? Like a tornado just went through and just ate all the wires. Or, and then it makes it even harder, like you said, MVP about troubleshooting this thing, because now we just have this fat bundle of wires. That's just all rats nested together. And we're trying to find one break in a line. You have the tracer on or whatever you use to, to find the break. And you're just like, well, it's here in this rat's nest somewhere, I guess somewhere. (laughs) So it's one of those like, well, do I deep dive and try to untangle the mess or do I just cut the whole thing and then just re reshoot the whole, the whole mess? You know what I mean? Well, if you have that option, but many times, like in the corporate realm, that's that's not an option. You're not going to be like, oh, this this bundle's screwed. We're going to give me a new one because control, wherever control is located for that operator is going to go get wrecked, troubleshoot it, make it look nice and and release it. Send it to RTS so we can return to service here. You know what I mean? Right. Yep. Uh, ex- exactly that. And, <laughs> and because of the money, they're not going to spend. They're not going to spend to get you a new harness or whatever else that that harness spider web is uh is now a you problem <laughs> right uh, i can i'm thinking of an exact story about this one when i was in the service it, it had something to do with a cobra's weapon uh an h1 cobra's weapon system where this thing fucks up a lot this one particular plane it just i don't know it just the me fly no shoot kind of thing like jesus christ bro like your whole purpose in life is to freaking kill shit and you're basically a fucking flying camera. That's all you fucking do. <laughs> a two-person flying camera. And it was coming to the point where, like, they've been troubleshooting this thing for days, just shooting wires and all this other shit. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And, of course, controls and be like, have you fixed it yet? Every two minutes, have you fixed it yet? What's going on with it? So, it, and then the avionics realm has, like, this whole timetable of what it, what they say, how long things take. So, like, Oh, it's going to be about five minutes when they really mean like 30 or oh, we're, we're signing it off right now, which means we have no idea what we're doing <laughs> or some shit like that. <laughs> well, and, all, and also you get like uh, control or whatever that already have it in their heads that say, well, that job should take only about an hour. Yeah. But but, but they're basing it off of past knowledge and like, well, that's what it was before. Well, you don't know what it is this time. Like, let's let's troubleshoot a little bit. But I feel like uh, and maybe, you know. Six and Coyote, you guys can can attest to this too. It seems like as aviation is going, especially with avionics, we're getting further away from troubleshooting and just hit hit it with the parts cannon. Boom! Did that fix it? Nope. Hit it again. Boom! Did that fix it? Nope. Instead of, instead of just taking taking some time at the beginning and and because it, it, what if it's what if it's just a small relay and not the whole part? Right. Let's figure it out. But I. I think we get they get really hung up, especially in the corporate realm of that plane's down. It's not making money. So the faster we can get it up and let's just hit it with a bunch of parts and hopefully that fixes it. Well, what if it's a relay that's kind of sticking every so often? But but you don't know. You know what I'm saying? You wouldn't know unless you unless you troubleshot it down, pinned it out, whatever. Yeah, that's that Danny DeVito meme. So anyway, I started swapping. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, I started swapping. (laughs) (laughs) but you're absolutely right man Uh, and i think the reason why for that too is because as technology progresses along the aircraft is starting to become smart enough to tell you what's wrong and so people just rely on that like uh let's just pull the the history recorder or let or um some aircraft have like uh what's called a hums i'm not sure if uh uh smaller aircraft have them but so America have like a diagnostic computer and that tells you what's going on with it. So they just pull up all the faults and see what happened. And like, oh, okay, this is wrong. Easy fix, you know, see bit clear or some shit like that. Yeah, I mean, I think almost all aircraft now have have a, it depends, right? Some are a little smarter than others with it. But like, say the G650, for example, like it'll, it, it's, it's good enough to where it'll tell you down to which components 
intermittent or you know it'll say it'll it'll send out codes right and then you go to your uh fault isolation manual or maybe in your just regular uh uh, maintenance manual but there'll be a list of what those codes dictate and then there's a whole troubleshooting tree to follow off of that but but typically like like i said in the g650 it's smart enough it'll tell you oh relay such and such in this locations is is intermittent or whatever and you're like huh so you're like well i guess i know where i gotta go and you can and order that part but Right. But most most aircraft nowadays, it's just more like that check engine light in your car. Like, oh, check engine light. What does that mean? Fuck. <laughs> yeah. I got a bad cough. I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you what it is, though. I'm just going to tell you I got a bad cough. <laughs> you know, it's like it could be something in the engine. It could be just the gas caps loose. But check engine light. Wh- whatever. <laughs> is it an O2 sensor? Is it the gas cap? You find out. <laughs> if I know next time on Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> I mean, would you say that's uh, a similar from from your um, end, Coyote? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, uh, pretty much, you know, most uh, 80s, 1980s plus aircraft have systems now where they, you know, if you're smart enough, you can get into their configuration mode and see um, what codes is kicking and, and stuff like that. It, you know, really depends on... Um, what systems are tied together and how they're tied together. So you have to have a little bit of uh, engineering knowledge or a good engineer on your team to, to begin understanding that. Now here, here's a, here's a, here's a big one. Have you ever ran into any faults where everything on the troubleshooting tree, everything from everyone's seasoned experience says, Oh, it's gotta be this because it's throwing this fault, but it ended up being something else because say like a relay got stuck somewhere or there's a break in the line somewhere and it's starting to cause the electric current to go somewhere else and cause those other faults? Oh, yeah. I mean, I've had, you know, all kinds of components that have have failed or come up as, you know, in op because, you know, there's a shorted ground. Somebody cut through the wires or, you know, a wire got broken or burned or um, diodes installed backwards. That's that's a common problem. Yeah, that you're right. That's true. I've seen that. I've seen that a lot too. Diodes. I forgot all about that. We had one guy that he just, for some reason, he couldn't wrap his mind around, you know, how a diode is dra- uh, drawn in, in STCs. And, um, you know, he'd go and he'd, he'd install them backwards every single time. So it got to the point where, you know, somebody in the shop had printed out, you know, a diode in what direction it's supposed to go. And so, you know, every time that dude walked out of the shop, he had to look at that that printout and he still didn't get it after that. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, there's there's, you know, I've had stupid, stupid problems come up and it, you know, it was, uh, you know, there's always those, those indicators um, that aircraft systems let you know, like, Hey, this system isn't working. And, you know, that's, that's where the avionic techs really, you know, jump in because pilots can, can identify it. I think that's, you know, the majority of problems in airplanes um, coming up as avionics is because, you know, the pilots play with their instruments the most out of anything else. They're not going around and checking, you know, the landing gear and stuff. Now, uh, a most recent one that we've had, MVP, you and I were there when this happened, I believe. We had an aircraft that uh, was having problems with uh, ignition, like it wasn't lighting off. And we're thinking, it came. Oh, yeah. is it the spark plugs? Is it the glo- is it the the igniter box is it the wiring going to it whatever so we're troubleshooting this thing forever and we're like we can't find a problem where's the problem so we do we do what we always do so we start swapping (laughs) we start swapping wait wait hold on you didn't hit the igniter exciter assembly with your pressing hammer first let's not talk about that (laughs) (laughs) i mean i mean that was brought up as a suggestion (laughs) the mechanic in me is like did, did you hit it yeah, right. Did you hit it? That's like that, that's like the first step for any mechanic, right? Did you? But did you hit it? So uh, we started swapping parts around to see if the problem would would follow wherever we put it. But nothing. We're like, what is going on with this thing? And so we're simulating all kinds of different situations where it probably would have caused the fault. Like we'll be out there at two in the morning. Maybe it's cold outside. Maybe that's what did it, right? So we're at two in the morning trying to trying to figure it out. It still works. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And after about, I don't know, three days, three or four days, both, sh- both days and night shifts are trying to figure this thing out. And we find out what caused the problem was not the aircraft itself. It was the GSC that the aircraft was hooked up to. And I'm like, wow, imagine that. It, and, and then we so and then we pull up the, the troubleshooting diagram and it straight up says like, uh, ensure the GSC is, is properly serviced and hooked up to the aircraft correct. 
fucking weird. <laughs> Say but you it always get so- those individuals. They always get the individuals that think they know more than the manual. So they're like, they just dismiss it right away. No, that can't be the case. Yeah. But at step number one is to check it. Did you check it? No, it's not it. I'm not even going to waste my time. You're like, oh, okay. That's okay. Three days later, three or four days later. Yeah. So, so what happened with it? Oh, it was the GSC. Yeah, imagine that. Step one. <laughs> GSC. What a novel, novel concept. Weird. This is why manuals are, are written to the third grade level. Dumbass. <laughs> yeah, but when you got one, when you got first grade levels there, mm, struggling. Oh, we, we, we weren't prepared for that. We were assuming that you could read English <laughs> or whatever, whatever language your manuals made it made in. <laughs> and there were, there was more instances like that, but that's going into like the way, way like advanced stuff. Like we're talking software, we're talking uh, like equipment that we've never tried before. And this kind of going back to your upgrade stuff where we're sticking new stuff in the old, old uh, airplanes. That I think is like the biggest clusterfuck in anything. Cause we're trying to we're trying to cram PlayStation equipment into a Game Boy, you know, like please work. <laughs> well, that's a good question, then, uh, Coyote. So, with with doing the upgrades on older aircraft, and possibly those requiring different uh, power supply requirements, do you have to upgrade the harnesses or certain components within that electrical system to be able to accommodate the new equipment versus the two decades older equipment that you just took out? I mean, so the cool thing about most of these upgrades is that um, their engineers did a really great job in taking into account the interfacing between, you know, new and old. Um, depending on what pilots want, we have to buy individual STCs per the installation. So we have, you know, companies that we contract out for these STCs. And these engineers basically, um, they take OEM prints or whatever um, the, the prints are for that, that particular plane serial number and they dig through them and they make sure, you know, each, each, um, each new component that we install is interfaced correctly with what's existing in the aircraft. Now, what it really comes down to is if I'm going through the STC while I'm doing my installation, um, am I, am I, am I double checking what the engineers have looked at? Because, you know, all they have is, is what they see on a screen they can't actually look at the hard wires in front of them. So there's a lot of, um, double and triple checking and, and, and catching, you know, little things here and there and making sure, you know, I'm not pinning out something that, um, is 12 volts VDC into something that's providing 26 volts, you know, AC or whatever, um, so that I don't fry components. And I, I, you know, it's, it's, it's trial by fire kind of thing, you know, when you first start in avionics, that is, that's, you know, a hard one, um, knowledge because you, you inevitably you, you do fry some components and you're like, Oh, I shouldn't have done that. Even though the engineer was supposed to take account of that because that's what we pay them to do. Um, I have to play engineer as well as an installer. Yeah. So you're basically sure. like a, like you're basically like a mini wizard and like three prong plug into four prong outlet. Hmm. Uh, some, some, something not right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, we had a, we had an awesome engineer um, where I currently work and this dude was, he was a, a magician. We called him the ninja, you know? Um, and I used to tell cause you know, this dude has been working in, in aviation for a, a long time. And uh, every time he would go do a configuration on one of my installs or sit through configuration and teach me stuff, there would be something that wouldn't work and I would just touch it and it would suddenly work. Um, and he would ask me what I touched. And I'm like, I don't know, man, it's magic. So avionics is a lot of uh, troubleshooting and, and rechecking your work and like 10% magic. So yeah. Don't let the smoke out of the box. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it was the static from your shoes, right? You touched it and it gave it just enough juice to bring it back to life. <laughs> I like to say that it's the, the female finesse. I touched the button a different way. Right. You know, it's like, ooh, whoa, it, someone's, <laughs> someone point. new. Female finesse, yeah. Someone's yeah. new. How are you doing? <laughs> yeah, the, the airplane's like, man. <laughs> oh, this is a gentle touch. Okay, I'm willing to work with you. <laughs> yeah. So, th- so the engineers, right, who might have written some of these mods or upgrades that you've done, I, you know, they might be sitting in Wichita, Orlando. Uh, if it's Embraer, they're probably down in... Uh, South America and Brazil. Um, and then, you know, you have to do the mod at your station. Do you guys have engineers on site? Like you said, you were going through and you verify that everything is right, is correct there, but do you have in a local engineer who's assigned to that project with you that when you go through the drawings and you find something wrong and then they can either one, uh, do like a red line or update it on the spot for you to, to correct it then and there, or do they have to then take it and send it back to the, 
original engineer who wrote that mod to get the paperwork updated and then send it back to you? How does that work? I mean, that's a, it's kind of an all of the, the above situation. So yeah, we, you know, I'm not sure about, you know, most of general aviation. I don't think it's the case because our, our engineer is one in a million. I mean, this guy is, you wouldn't think he's an engineer, just the way he acts and talks. He's just, he's, he's amazing. He's just, everything that I know as far as configuration comes from this, this guy. Um, and, um, so, you know, I find myself to be extremely fortunate to have access to, to such knowledge, but yeah, um, when you, when you encounter problems like that on the installation where, you know, something's written wrong by the engineer that originally drew the STC, I, I will typically go to mine, um, a double and triple check unless, you know, it's a, it's a problem that I know that I can handle on my own. That it's like, okay, this is obvious. It's wrong. Um, yeah, and he will, you know, he'll, if it's a, if it's a compounded problem, that's, that's like, okay, this is uh, two plus two equals pineapple. Um, <laughs> um, I'll have him, you know, do some research into it to make sure that I'm interfacing equipment correctly. But um, if, if not, if it's something that's like, okay, that's an obvious issue, he'll, he'll contact the original STC drawer and have them, have them updated. So just so they don't, you know, sell the wrong STC to the next guy. Here's a question for you and Shoreline. Uh, what's been like one of the most ridiculous uh, gripes you guys have heard uh, as far as the, the electronics portion is concerned? Let me think on that. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, man. Um, ridiculous gripes. Uh, honestly, it's more so just stupid people. Um, <laughs> I mean, just like of the time. <laughs> r- routing things wrong or um, like, like I, I mentioned a story in a previous episode where you know, we ran an electrical cable backwards where we had the wrong end in the air and stuff like that. Um, and the other, the other part for me is uh, messy cables because because of what I do is so temporary because um, I don't have as much install experience. I'm mostly a show guy. Keeping your cables clean is, is necessary for troubleshooting because you're going to be troubleshooting because you're putting a show in a place that isn't supposed to have a show, right? So everything is temporary and you have to do everything from the ground up. And if you aren't set up for success and you you could hold somebody's hand all the way through it and they can still do it wrong. Like it, it blows my fucking mind. <laughs> like it is ridiculous. So yeah, that, that, that is what I would say is my biggest gripe personally um, is just people not paying attention to what they're doing. Well, yeah, especially in your case, man, we're not, we're not in our cases, we're talking like 26 VAC max, you know, Yours is like more like 400 volts, <laughs> 400 yeah. amps. Like, yeah, and then especially when the bass drops, you like you're really pulling power at that point, you know? Yeah, but even just for like the small signal cable, like your your normal XLR cable that you know uh, you've got 48 microphones on a stage and all of them have a cable attached to them, so you better you just got to know how how to do it neatly because first off, you know you're you know there's going to be pictures taken of every single event. So that's something you're already going to be in the spotlight in terms of that. And then, you know, it's, it, there's, and there's no, there's no set standard of how it should be case in point, go to any bar show and it's pretty messy usually. Um, but, but especially once you get up to a professional level, like you, it, it's, it's kind of a no brainer. There are ways to do it. Right. And a lot of people don't realize that. Right. Especially because of you guys, you know, like you said, you're more temporary. So you really kind of, you almost don't care because you got to pack it up and, and leave again. But even so, like you said, like if there's a problem and we're, we're and there's a rat's nest everywhere, it's going to be hard to try to troubleshoot this on the fly as the show's going. So, yeah. <laughs> and, well, in Shoreline, do you guys have manuals you're working to? You know, for aviation, we got manuals or are supposed to have manuals for everything. Um, are you guys under the same same operation? Do you guys have manuals for these setups or is it just kind of grandfather knowledge that's taught to the new guy and then the new guy teaches the next new guy and it just so on down the line? Uh, it really depends on, on who your engineer is um, and, and who is running the show. Um, like I know what I've done for venues in the past is, is I'll come up with a whole wiring diagram and just kind of lay it out for everybody to say, Hey, this is how wiring on the left side of the stage is going to go. This is how wiring on the right side of the stage is going to go. This is where all the cables are coming from. Um, and try to give that information out to as many people as I can uh, to try to make it as straightforward as possible. And that helps. But you still have those people that just don't 
don't get it, don't understand, don't uh, take the time to do it right. And yes, there is a time crunch. Um, and ultimately, the the cleaner you are on the in, the faster the out is going to be. Is kind of my you know my my method of thinking is more load in for the load out. So the the cleaner it is when you go in, the faster it comes out. So the the happier everybody is. You know, when you have stagehands that are on a four hour call, they're just trying to get it done as fast as they can um, because they get paid for four hours whether they work an hour a half hour or four hours so yeah how about you Il coyote uh, same question uh, most ridiculous gripe you've heard oh um personally most most of the ridiculous gripes or, or squawks that i deal with are usually operator error like we have pilots to bring their planes and like, oh this component doesn't work at all um <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like uh did you push your circuit breaker in sir uh, you know, just just things like that where where complacency you know is is prevalent. Um, but outside of you know operator error, um, there's there's a lot of old school components out there that just weren't built for interfacing. Um, like we had a Citation 560 brought in where the the um, the shade and converter was just not talking to the other systems on certain aspects of this install that, you know, our sister company had, had done. And, um, I spent, you know, probably a month and a half, maybe two months chasing this gripe that, you know, we just never figured out this, this, these two systems just didn't want to talk to each other. And I replaced all of the wiring and I, you know, owned everything out and everything checked good. And we called all of the tech reps and all the engineers and, um, you know, this stupid gripe that just never went away and just, um, that's, that was probably the dumbest, uh, dumbest troubleshooting, the dumbest gripe I've ever dealt with was one that just never got solved because the, the components didn't want to interface with each other. Now you said the pilots, you know, did you, did you push in your circuit breaker? That reminded mm-hmm. me of a time where the same thing, <clears throat> you get called out and, and they're like, well, this and that. And you you look up at the circuit breaker panel and it's pulled and collared. And you're like, okay, well, that tells me. So I go look at the MEL list, and it's on the MEL list, right? It's not not a safety flight component. And you're like, okay, well, it's written up here. And you look at Eric, and you're like, well, it's it's in op for this reason. It says right here in the book, and that's why there's a collar on it. Oh, yeah, well, I saw the collar, but I, I, I just wanted to see if it would work. And you're like, what? Thanks, thanks for wasting my time. I guess like I, you know, I'm still going to charge you for this. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Wait, waste his time. 2016, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. crazy. Uh, so, so similar with this, but to, to the both to both of you um, is uh, we'd have a pilot that says, "Hey, uh, uh, my component is not working. Okay, what's wrong with it? Oh, it, it's it's not working in the OFF position. Like." <laughs> excuse me <laughs> excuse me yeah, are you messing with me right now <laughs> yeah it's like are you are you like is this a joke <laughs> are you really fucking with me and he's like dead ass serious right like no it doesn't work in the OFF position I'm like okay question what does OFF position stand for oh and you know he looks at me with the straightest straightest of faces like thousand yard stare straight face I'm like oh it stands for on for flight I'm like okay oh, okay back up I, I'm I'm assuming that somebody told you this and you being as gullible as you are, I kind of believe you. So what does on stand for? <laughs> you know, what does on mean? Well, when they look at you and say OFF stands for on for flight and you just look back at them and say, am I a joke to you? Because <laughs> that's how it feels. Am I? <laughs> Are you, are you messing with me, man? Like, are you, are you, is this your way? Is this your rich boy way of telling me I'm stupid? What's going on? Put your clown nose on. Is this some, is this some weird flex that I don't get? Right. Or what's that one meme? Like, I'm sorry. Is this a poor people joke? I'm too rich to understand. <laughs> let me, hold on. Let me put my clown nose and my wig and do my makeup real fast. All right, go say that again. <laughs> it, it, it. It is like that, though. I'm like, oh, sorry, real quick. Just come out from the back with your rainbow wig on and a big red nose. Okay, I'm ready to I'm ready to hear your re- request now. What's the issue? Right. Or uh, or another one's like, oh, the weight on wheel switch doesn't work in the air. Like, say it ain't so. <laughs> say, that, say that one more time. Weight on wheels. <laughs> Does not work in flight. Weird. 
at that point, you know, like you gotta you gotta mess with it. You gotta start trolling at that point. Like, oh, okay, okay. How does weight work in the air? Ah, uh, it's like, bro, you're the one with the college degree. You tell me. <laughs> Wait, hey, hey, man, the weight on wheels switch doesn't work in the air. Okay, ops check satisfactory. Then, like, you just tell me that you ops check it. What's going on? It's supposed to do that. <laughs> Could not duplicate Greg on ground. Yeah, right? CND. Could not duplicate <laughs> certified safe for flight. So I'm gonna jump back a little bit when you were we were talking about mods and the engineers earlier, and my phone was kind of cutting out. But um, so let's say you do find an issue in the drawings or the paperwork or the mod or whatever else, and you get with your engineer and he's got to get back with the original um, uh, writer of that uh, mod. Do you have to stop work until you get the updated paperwork back, or are you cleared to press on until uh, and you know? And then you'll eventually just get the updated paperwork. No, no, you always press on. So everything in, in private and in general aviation, as far as installs go and service work, and I'm sure you know this, is is time-driven. It's time-sensitive. Money is time and time is money. Um, so you, you jump to something else. Um, you jump to the next connector to pin out or the next component to to work into. Yep. And there's, and, and the reason I asked that is, is I, that was, that's, that was my experience in that, that realm of aviation as well. But just for some of the listeners out there that might go, that might not have any general aviation experience and it's been all military and like, what, what do you mean? You just press on, you can't press on without the updated paperwork. No, it's in the, in the non-military world. Like you said, it's all time and money driven. So the faster you get it done and that thing's uh, hauling passengers around the more, it's making money. And that's all that matters to operators. How many instances MVP you and I have pushed through of certain things that were really quite, I mean, if, if this were audited, it would be pretty questionable. But the fact that it's uh, waverable, that's the big one, waverable, that we just like, yeah, drive on. It's cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, more often than not. Or certain things where you're like, nah, we should probably hold off and, and get engineering's feedback before we press on. They're like, yeah, no, just keep going. But other stuff, you're like, this is this is pretty self-explanatory. Like Coyote was saying earlier, like, this is, it's really obvious. Two plus two equals pineapples. That's that's an obvious mistake. And, and like, no, 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 we definitely need to get every engineer on site involved and get their opinion before we move on. But <laughs> okay. But I have seen some like, Oh, it's cool. We want pineapples. Like, wait a minute. So you weren't expecting, so you weren't expecting the four, you were expecting pineapples. Like, Why doesn't it say that in the paperwork then? Yeah. Well, we were just kind of seeing what would pan out oh. and uh, pineapples is what we want. Oh, okay. Okay. So why did you just say that in the first place? Uh, well, it would be f- <laughs> it, it, it would have been faster if we just did it that way. You know, you would have you you would have seen it a lot easier. Like, am I a joke to you? <laughs> <laughs> have I offended you in any way? Like, that's what you, like, what did I do? Who hurt you? Who hurt you? In your past? Who hurt? Who hurt you? <laughs> oh man! Uh, closing thoughts, MVP. Um, I'm not the best with Avi. Uh, those who are, it's 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 really kind of impressive to watch people read drawings the use of a multimeter or what's the uh, uh, a mega a mega unit for uh, yeah. other mm-hmm. applications um and just being able to to read all those values uh fine details and make it into something that keeps an aircraft in the air for years and years and years with with no issues it's it's pretty impressive so again hats off to all you who can uh who have made your careers in that and made uh, names for yourselves uh, positive names that is <laughs> positive any any t- any final takeaways coyote um i'm just i'm, I'm happy to finally be on here I've, you've been asking me for a little while to, to come on and talk to you guys so it was it was great uh kind of imparting you know my observations having no avionics experience prior to you know where i'm at in life right now and having been a mechanic with you in the marine corps six that was you know um I'm just, I'm happy to have talked to you guys today. Hey, We're thank happy you for to coming you. on as well. So what I heard is we wore you down. It's nap time. I'm just messing. We do appreciate you coming on though. <laughs> yeah. And for all, again, like from a mechanic standpoint, we generally talk a lot of smack about avionics and electricians in general. And from our point of view, that's where 99% of an aircraft's problem comes from is through its electronics. And for those that actually have to go in there and deal with it, that's a, a spectrum of expertise in itself. Like It's not just one one shot does it all or one person can do it all. It's kind of like this person does wires, this person does troubleshooting, this person does um, 
uh, reroutes and upgrades and stuff like that. It's it's not too often you see someone do all of it at once. And when they do, they're pretty, pretty boss as far as that's concerned. So for those of you guys out there doing the avionics work, just know that your guys' longevity is only going to get bigger because now we're moving into smarter aircraft. We're moving on a smarter technology, air quotes, smarter. <laughs> so you, if for all you guys that are mechs, you might want to start uh, dabbing into the electronics portion because that's everything is eventually going to be fly by wire and nuclear powered or, or something at that point. So we're all going to eventually be wearing Iron Man suits or some shit. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely get that cross training in because most aircraft now can be controlled just through a laptop. It's it's pretty impressive what you can do just via laptop. Yeah, no kidding. Coyote, thanks again for coming. Everybody, thanks for have thanks for listening on to the show. Thanks for having me. All right, later. Have a good day, everyone. We'd like to thank our patrons for supporting our show and allowing us to keep producing episodes, bring on guests, and keep Shoreline ever the happy to produce our show. With special thanks to Erica Lamont, Chris Hawkins, Stephanie Boltman, Jenny Dignan, Ryan Frushauer, Daniel Schubert, and Steven Shivers. Thank you all, our patrons, so much for all your support and again, your patronage. If you have ideas, topics, or stories for the show, or you would like to be a guest on the show, Visit cancelformaintenance.com and drop us a line on our contact us section. We will do whatever we can to get you and or your ideas onto the show. Check out our sponsor, Rockwell Time, for all sorts of outdoors and sporting apparel such as watches, safety-rated sunglasses, and snowboarding goods. Visit rockwelltime.com, use code CX4MX, and save 10% off your purchases. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash cancelformaintenance. Patronage, again, allows us to continue making episodes and maintain our gear. Patrons also get exclusive perks such as access to our Discord and discounts to our upcoming merch.